Before we get into the next episode of the Conjugate Chats, I want to thank the Department of Young Strain Coaches, the DOYSC, for sponsoring today's episode. The DOYSC is to help young coaches into the field of strength conditioning, whether that is CSCS prep, live discussions, internship or GA opportunities, or anything else strength conditioning related. They are here for a resource for young strength coaches going into the field of strength and conditioning. I'll drop the link in the description to the DOYSC's Discord so any young coach can have access to this awesome resource. So thank you for listening to the Conjugate Chats and the DOYSC for sponsoring today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats with your host here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry at that. I have Aislinn Garza of Aldean High School. Uh, she's a strength conditioning coordinator over there. How are you doing today? Um, I am living the dream. Uh, we're kind of prepping for football season right now, so a little tired, but doing great. Now, you're in the Houston, Texas area, correct? That's right. So how big is high school football down there? Oh man, high school football in this area is ginormous. So we have um, all the way from like really small outskirt high schools to really huge, uh, you know, six day high schools. And I'm at a six day high school, so it's a religion. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of things about Texas high school football. You know, someday may, may maybe go personally down there and coach or whatever. But um, I just want to see if it was as big as people put it out to be. So. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you've been, how you get to your spot right now. Like, tell us. Um, so actually being in this role is kind of surreal because growing up, I didn't play sports at all. Um, I actually have a dancing background. I started out as a dancer and, um, I pursued dance throughout my high school career. I'm actually... Uh, from a very small town in South Texas. And then I graduated from a school in Katy, Texas, but not the Katy High School. Um, I went to the other school. Um, and so I got to college and I kind of just took a kinesiology class because I thought, oh, well, I have to satisfy this credit. And I fell in love with sports. And as I kind of got more and more into it, I loved sports science. and as I graduated and I got my degree, I kind of didn't feel like maybe public school strength and conditioning was for somebody like me. Um, so I did it privately. I was coaching privately in my spare time. I was teaching, but um, I wasn't coaching at the high school level yet. And uh, when I moved back to Texas in 2014, I start. I continued to coach privately and I actually owned my own facility for a while. Um, I went back into the classroom and really loved it. And then um, just kind of picked it up. I just really loved what I was seeing from the athletes at the school where I was working and they would, they knew that I was interested in strength and they would ask me questions and they were interested in what I knew and how I could help them. And it just kind of evolved. And I did take a break um, for about a year from the classroom, I stepped away and, um, you know, I just, 
I couldn't stay away. Like I love the kids and I loved working with that demographic. And uh, I came back and actually I came into public schools, SNC by accident. My head coach at Sharpstown High School at the time um, asked me, he knew also that I was into strength and conditioning and I was competing in Olympic lifting and he asked me to help them. And um, I did. And then now I'm here. He got this job at Aldine and when he came over here, he wanted me to come here too. And so it's been really a wild ride, I would say, but it's been definitely been interesting. And, and the perspective that I have, I think is different from so many other people in my role, just because I don't come from that sports background. There is no such thing as like, this is the way we've always done it. Um, it's like, no, we're going to do it this way because this is the science right now. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So you kind of touched on it, but why the high school realm? Um, you kind of you, you kind of did touch on it. You know, you were in the classroom, then you kind of stepped away, but you came back. I mean, why high school? Man, you know, because high school kids are hilarious. Um, don't get True. me wrong. <laughs> like, they are. Uh, they can be challenging. Um, anytime I tell someone that I work in a high school setting. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but high school kids are hysterical. It's always an adventure. It's always a story. It's like, coach, you won't believe what happened to me today. And um, it's always so fun. And And honestly, because when I was in high school, I wish that I had had more people in my life that were the kind of adults that I wanted to grow up to be. Um, that's not, not a knock against the adults that I had in my life. I have so many great teacher um, role models from when I was in high school. Um, but I just want to be the type of coach and the teacher that I needed when I was younger. So, I mean, I do, I do the things, right? Like I learned the TikTok dances and I learned the handshakes and <laughs> I do the stuff, um, but they're just so fun. And I, if there's one thing about me, it's that whatever I'm going to do, it's, it's going to be fun. I have to have fun doing it. So I have fun at work and That's awesome. I like working with them. That's awesome. Now you talked about you're competing in Olympic lifts and I saw you kind of recently are into a, uh, a football team now. Yeah. So how'd you get started in that? And like, how's that going now? Um, so I was competing in Olympic lifting. Um, well, I should say I was training. Uh, unfortunately, oh, my love affair with Olympic lifting has been riddled with injury. Um, it's not great. <laughs> uh, I still try, but it's, you know, I have to overcome so many injuries from so many different like facets of my life across like dance and all these kinds of things growing up, but I still try. Uh, but yeah, so last year I love football. First of all, I've always loved football. And as a little kid, I always wanted to participate and I always wanted to like be on the boys team. And my mom was like, absolutely not. You are not doing that. So, um, Jokes on her, right? Because now I work in football. So, um, and I hope that she doesn't listen to this. But uh, yeah, so I loved football. I loved being a part of it. And 
one of the things that I would always tell my husband was like, man, I just wish I could play. I just wish that I had gotten that opportunity. Well, I didn't know that there were like professional women's football team across the country. And it just so happens that in Houston, where we live, um, there are actually three teams. So a local team, the Houston Energy, had a tryout. I saw the flyer. I was. I told my husband, I said, I'm going to try out. And my husband said, you know, you're not good at being bad at things, right? And I was like, okay, so what's your point? <laughs> he was like, you've never played football before. Like, you're probably going to be terrible at this. And I was like, okay, well, I just want to try. So I tried out. I made the team. Um, he was absolutely right. I was 100% terrible. But I would like to think that after my rookie season, I'm not as terrible as I was last year. But we did really well. Um, we had a great season. We went two rounds deep into the playoffs. We just barely missed going to the Super Bowl uh, by one score. So we lost in Denver to Mile High, who eventually went on to win the Super Bowl in our division. So um, I guess if you have to lose, you want to lose to the champs. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it was wild. Like, it's definitely helped me have a much better understanding of some of the things that my football players need on the field, because nothing will tell you how to prepare someone to get trucked like being trucked. So, yeah, absolutely. That's that's really awesome. That's really awesome. I saw that, and then I was like, "That's awesome!" They got a women's professional league going on right now. So, uh, yeah. co- completely awesome. So, how many teams do you work with? Um, so currently at Aldine, I'm accessible by every single team. Um, because I got here in March, just scheduling was kind of an issue, but I'm accessible by every team. So football, volleyball, girls and boys, basketball, tennis, golf, swim, dive, water polo, um, baseball, softball, pretty much everybody. Like y'all have, y'all have a water polo team. Yes, we do. Hmm. That's really interesting. I've never seen the high school have a water polo program. It's actually brand new. So we're super excited about it. That's awesome. So you kind of touched on this uh, a little bit. So why did you go into strength conditioning specifically? Um, <laughs> so it was, it was by accident a little bit. Um, I, in high school, was a dancer. Um, I was much slimmer. And throughout college and after college, I gained a lot of weight. And so I found CrossFit. And I know a lot of people are going to crucify me because they're like, CrossFit's awful and like, respectfully disagree. It doesn't have to be awful. Um, And I just lucked up. I ended up at a really great box with like owners who programmed for like actual general physical preparedness and didn't try to murder us every day. And um, I ended up having the really good fortune of running into Matt Bruce, who is uh, an Olympic lifter who's lifted in the not on the national stage uh, as a youth lifter and into his adulthood. And he actually trains Olympic lifters. And I got to watch him and I was just really interested in watching him 
give out the programming to his lifters. I was always interested. I would ask little questions. I would be like, well, why are, why are they doing this? Like, why are, why this many reps? Like, how does this help? And bless his heart. Cause he would always answer me and take the time with me. And I noticed that he was training some really high level athletes, like, you know, guys at LSU who were going to go trying to go to the NFL and they're coming to this little rinky dink former car mechanic garage to train on like six platforms with like 20 other people. And I was like, what? Like, why is this so special? Like, why is this so good? And um, so I, I really watched from afar and I got really interested in it. And I started wa- reading all this stuff, reading all these articles. And then I just told my mom, like, I want to get my master's in exercise physiology. And she was like, what in the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) Um, She was like, what can you do with that? And I was like, I have no idea. Um, But as I did it, you know, I worked at LSU uh, as a graduate assistant. I developed a curriculum for exercise testing and, and also for weightlifting. So in doing that, I was like, wow, this is so cool. So like, if I just adjust this like this, then theoretically this could happen. And I was talking to all my friends about it and they were like, yeah, girl, we don't care. And I was like, well, I think it's cool. So, (laughs) um, but it's cool. I mean, like, honestly, that's what happened. And then like every day is an experiment, right? So I see my kids and I can see the direct correlation to consistency. I can see the direct correlation between this is what we've been doing and this is how it infected their results. And this is how we can you know, acclimate for other things and how we can create a different experiment with a different outcome. Wow. That sounds really nerdy. I didn't think it was going to sound like that when it came out, but you no, know. you're all, you're all good. Uh, me and Blaine Donahoe, uh, he's over in middle Tennessee here and we kind of had that same discussion of, you know, we feel like that we kind of geek out to strength conditioning, right? And our wives, our folks, our friends, family, whatever, they really don't, not that they don't understand, but that's just not where their interest lies. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about barbell progressions, bar speed, uh, sprint mechanics, uh, biomechanics, uh, tendon health, all that kind of stuff. You know, we're talking to all of them about all that stuff. And, you know, they're like, well, we don't care. So kind of the same, you know, kind of idea that you were talking about. It's like, yeah. You know, these kids, they need to progress. They need to get stronger. And, you know, people are just like, uh, I don't care. So, yeah, I'm really big. uh, I'm like, my kids laugh at me all the time because I'll be like, well, because at this angle, this is the angle that blah, blah, blah. I'm like, guys, it's literally science. And they're like, um, okay, (laughs) never mind. That's awesome. (laughs) So, um, what are you doing to continuously learn and strength conditioning? I creep on Twitter, if we're being honest. Um, man, like, it's so crazy. I went to graduate school in 2013, and I kind of felt like I was in an island. Like, I learned from my classmates. I learned from other people in the kinesiology program. But I did not, and this is probably my fault, right? I didn't know about going to conferences. Like, I didn't know about all these things. Even the CSCS, like I did not understand what a huge test that was. Like 
I thought it was just a test we had to pass to get our master's degree. Like, it was like your thesis. Like, oh, you just do this test, then you do your thesis, and then boom, that's it. Like, whatever. Um, so I creep a lot on Twitter. I, I follow people that I respect. Um, and you know what? I'll be honest. I follow some people that I don't really respect to see what they think about it and then read what they say. And, um, I'm constantly like looking at what other people are reading and like, why are they reading it? And what does this have to do with this? And how are they implementing this? And is it something that I could possibly implement in a, in a different phase? And uh, Twitter has been like the best professional development because it's connected me with people to tell me about conferences. Um, sorry about that. You're good. Um, to tell me about conferences, to tell me about all these different things and that I like literally never knew existed. And, um, you know, without that like platform, I don't even know what I would know, like nothing. Um, I would know what I read in Essentials of Strength and Conditioning. <laughs> um, and then that's it. But yeah, I, I would say that and like applying those things. Um, because if you let me, I'll get like real sciency and I'll, I mean, I think what I'm best at is the relationship and the, the development of that bond with the athlete. And then that improves helps to improve the performance but if you let me i'll get like real sciency and i'll forget about that part and uh twitter honestly has helped me remember like it's this first if you could do this first then we can do the science later yeah absolutely um twitter's huge you know you connect with great coaches um honestly and i think it might be the same situation for you the nhssca I mean, that's the only reason why I know that organization is because, you know, it's so promoted, especially on Twitter. And yeah. recently you just spoke at their Texas clinic, didn't you? I did. I did. It was like the highlight of my life. So tell us about that. How was it speaking in front of the Texas State Clinic and, you know, that kind of whole process behind all that? It was, I was terrified. Um, I speak or I try to speak really regularly. Um, I know I say this like every time I get a chance, but Missy Mitchell Macbeth, who's a state director for the NHS SDA, uh, challenged the female state strength coaches a couple years back and said, if you're a female in this industry, like you have a responsibility to get up in front of people and speak about what your knowledge is about. And she was like, if you don't do that, then you're doing a disservice to every single woman or girl who wants to pursue this path. Because if they can't see you, then they don't know that they can do it. So they asked me to talk this year. Um, actually, I would say Reb Brock voluntold me to talk this year. Um, and he is very persistent. That's why he's had such a long career in this, in this field. But um, he was like, you, you're going to talk. And I, I said, well, what do you mean to talk about? And I was like, uh, culture in the weight room, like progressions, like, what do you want me to talk about? And he was like, I want you to talk about what it's like being a female coach working with male, all male sports. And I was like, Oh, so you want me, you want me to be like the wet blanket. You want me to make everyone in the room uncomfortable. And, and he was like, yeah, yeah, you got that. So 
Um, I actually spoke about exactly that, what it's like to be a female coach in male dominated sports. Um, and I think I definitely achieved my goal of making everyone very uncomfortable, but, uh, it was really, it was, I think it was really, really well received. Um, just because there are, there are challenges for me that, that men in this industry just don't face. Uh, and, and you don't know what you don't know. So like, if you're not a girl, then like, you don't know what we have to navigate. Right. And a lot of times, like it just, yeah, sometimes like you try to tell someone that you try to tell a dude that, and they're like, well, it was hard for me too. And I'm like, yeah, it just like, wasn't hard because you have a vagina. Like <laughs> it wasn't hard because of that. Um, and so it was a really, really great talk. Like I felt very heard. And I think a lot of guys, a lot of men in the room, which I mean, there were like 60 dudes and like four girls. So I was like, look around how many penises are in the room. It's a lot more than half. Like, um, so, <laughs> um, and it, it really went well. And, and guys were coming up to me like for the whole weekend. Cause we went into Texas state coaching school later that weekend. And they were like, coach, I heard this. And like, I never thought of it that way. And I was like, yeah, you don't have to walk a quarter mile to go pee. Must be nice. Can't relate. <laughs> like, um, and it was great. So, I mean, it was wonderful and I felt very lucky and the women in the room were like, hell yes, we have been wanting someone to say this for so long. And I was like, well, I'm glad I could be the one to do it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's completely awesome. Now let's kind of tie in with that idea there. Do you think it's the most challenging part of being a female strength coach in the male dominant world? Because I mean, yeah, go for it. Um, I think, you know, in thinking about it and in, in thinking about all of the things that I kind of have to deal with that maybe my male counterparts don't, um, the hardest thing about being a, a female strength coach in such a male dominated industry is that I don't ever benefit from the benefit of a doubt. Um, you know, I am, <clears throat> I know you can't like see me, but I'm like five foot one on a really good day. Like I, uh, you know, I love sparkly things. I like to uh, my nickname at work is literally bubbles. So people don't necessarily look at me as a human being and like, oh yeah, that girl knows her way around the way. Um, and so I don't ever like benefit from that. And I don't think any girl benefits from that in this role. Like I come in and I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. It's going to be you know, six sets of three. We're going to be doing this at this weight and it's going to help you do this. And most often people look at us and say, what's a pretty little girl know about big weights like this? And it's like, I literally have degrees in this. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so I think that's probably the hardest part. Just like, you know, some guy off the street who breathed in a weight room one time in high school can be like, 
five sets of 10, 90%. That's what I did in high school. And everybody's like, yeah, okay, man, sounds good. Like what? <laughs> that sounds terrible. But um, yeah, like, I think that's probably the hardest, uh, the hardest. I don't ever get that benefit of the doubt. I have to like explain myself. I have to be better. I have to be perfect. And like, don't let anything I do fail. Like we've all like, I know that in my, my brain, I'm like, and I know that I've had colleagues who, when we sit down and we plan a cycle, we're like, okay, like this is the goal and this is how I'm going to get that goal. And then when we like retest or we have an opportunity to see if it works, it didn't work because science, like experiments fail <laughs> and I don't have the opportunity for that failure. Like the minute I fail at something or the minute that I project that I'm going to see this much increase or I'm going to see this much decrease in speed, if it doesn't happen, immediately it becomes like, oh, see, told you girls didn't know about the weight room. And it's like, this is normal. Like this is literally the scientific method. Like, I don't know how to tell you that this, it's like what happens and that, that is hard. And I think the other thing is just like the, the really big pressure. Um, you know, I, I kind of mentioned that I'm in a place right now with our football team where um, we're Owen 10, like we've gone Owen for like three years straight. So we're coming in to take over this program that hasn't seen, we literally have kids on our team who have never known what it feels like to win a football game, which is heartbreaking. Like that's terrible. Right. And if we go into the season this year and we do well, it's going to be like, yeah, we're doing so great. Everything is awesome. But the minute we don't do well, it's going to be like, well, you know, they got that girl up in the weight room and, you know, that's probably why. And that's a very unusual place for a strength coach to be because normally we just fade into the background. Nobody knows us. Nobody knows our name. Like we're the person with the, the, the coffee and the, you know, we dry, dry scoop C4 in the end zone before we ran out for the game. Like that's usually who we are. And for, for girls in this industry, it's not like that. It's so always. So it's it's almost kind of like you're already written off for things before you even step in the weight room. You know, you're already written off. Yeah, exactly. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine, you know, you're trusted with these athletes, right? You're trusted in the weight room with them. You're in there all day. You're all, you know, you're in there. You're busting tail. You got a degree. You got, you know, USAW, CSE, whatever. You know, you've gone through all the education, everything like that, even a little, maybe an internship or two. I mean, and then a football team, which mostly as sport coaches, you know, really do the, you know, they're the ones that make the plays and the techniques and all that stuff. And then the minute that something goes wrong, it switches on you. It's like, oh, well, they got a female strength coach and that's why they're losing. It's like, that's absolutely absurd and ignorant as they yeah and you know I credit to like you know all my entire athletic staff at Aldine they are amazing and my 
I'm so lucky to work on the football staff that I work with because they legitimately value what I do. And we work with a bunch of young guys and our head coach has really set the standard that like, it's not about being a female strength coach. It's about being a strength coach and she's the best one. So you, this is the way we conduct ourselves and this is how we do it. Um, and he's done a really good job of creating that culture so that the majority of the pressure is off me to try to establish myself. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's, that's like the ideal, like any woman in this industry needs that. Um, but it's sad that we need that. It's sad that you have to like actively seek a person who's going to be your ally and advocate for you. Um, when you're not around, cause it's easy to advocate for someone in front of their face, but like when they turn around, are you still on that side? Um, so, but yeah, I, it, it is, it is a weird situation. And like, I just really hope that like one day that's not the situation. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, such a weird, uh, concept in the industry and yeah. Whew. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there any other difficult parts or challenges that you face on the daily? Um, just in the idea that like this realm like wasn't built for me and it's slowly changing. It's slowly adjusting. It's slowly accommodating women in this field and like, figuring out that like, Hey, maybe, maybe not just do can do this. Um, but it's weird because like the facilities don't catch up like as quickly, right. You can hire a female strength coach, but like if she goes to work every day and there's no bathroom in the entire building for her, that sucks. <laughs> um, and again, like going back to my awesome, like staff and my great AC, like we got to the, we got to my facility now and there is no bathroom. Like where did the women pee? Uh, and so he, to his credit, like immediately commandeered the bathroom in the weight room. He was like, this is a female faculty only weight room. I mean, bathroom now, like nobody goes in here except for female faculty. So now finally, like I have a bathroom, the athletic trainers who have been there for, I don't know how long have a bathroom now. Thank God. Like, you know, just things like that. And, but I mean, other than that, I mean, things that are hard at my, uh, you know, in, in my realm, the same things that are hard for everybody else waking up early. 3.30 comes real early in the morning. Um, you know, staying late, crazy hours, uh, a crippling addiction to coffee. Um, you know, but as a woman, it's strange. Like, there are just some things. Talk to my friends about it, or I talk to my colleagues about it. Most of my colleagues are men. <clears throat> and it's so strange. Like I always ask them, I'm like, do you get these like weird DMs on Twitter? And they're like, no. And I get weird DMs. Like I literally get like trolls in my DMs. Um, most recently I got one on LinkedIn that had me really shook for like two weeks. Um, he said some like really, he told me to like on a live myself and like all kinds of stuff because football is for men. 
and because the weight room is for me. And I was like, wow, you don't have a social life that this is what you're doing at two in the morning, but whatever. Golly. It's like, dude, go outside and touch some grass, man. Like, if you actually spent time in the weight room, you would not care about this right now. <laughs> absolutely. I'm like, that, that's absolutely absurd. It's bizarre. That is bizarre. So let's, let's kind of dive into some training stuff here. So what are the more physical or what's the more important physical attributes for a strength and conditioning coach to develop in their athletes? Whatever the sport coach wants. <laughs> yeah. um, that's such a, okay. So for me, if, if it were me and if I did not have to, if this, all the sport coaches just told me, Garza, like do whatever you want then my main thing is going to be developing their mobility. Like that is, I am a mobility queen. Like my athletes hate it. They used to hate it. They don't hate it anymore. I don't think, I don't know. That's them and they would probably tell you they hate it. But um, I just find that a lot of our issues with lifting, a lot of our issues with playing um, in the demands of our sport just come from a lack of mobility. You literally do not have the range of motion to do what your body is asking you to do. Um, and maybe that also comes from my background as a dancer. Like, I mean, I'm 34 years old. Like I'm super old. I'm a very old dancer in dance years. That is like 99. And I can still pull my, my shin to my face standing up. Like that is but that's years of like trained mobility, like trained and probably to be honest, it's probably a little too much mobility, but I just see so many injuries and so many things that happen because our athletes cannot move and they can't load themselves in the positions that their sport demands. Um, and so that is like my go-to now that being said, because I have sports coaches and they have requests and they have expectations, then I have to sit down and like talk to each one of them and say, okay, like, what does your ideal tennis player look like? What can they do? What is their, like, if you had the perfect tennis player and if you tell me Serena Williams, that's not applicable. She is an actual like God. Like I can't make you a Serena Williams, but if I had a number two, what could I make you? Um, and then we go from there. But I, if, if it were me, I would be like mobility all day. Like fix the mobility, fix the range of motion, fix the movement patterns, and everything else, in my opinion, just falls into place. Yeah. And you work for football, and I, I, I work for football. So we know that uh, guys, football guys, have terrible range of motion. They have ter terrible mobility. I mean, it's something that's an issue. I mean, how do you monitor athletes' progress? As you, you're saying that like mobility work and full range of motion and stuff. How do you monitor that and then progress it? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. So um, <clears throat> I like moving stuff to basics. Kids don't love it initially, but I mean, honestly, like I'm, I think I'm a little old school. Like I like using milk crates, like for those squat, you know, can you top the milk crate? If you can't top the milk crate, 
with your booty, how, how, um, how close did you get to it? You know, um, giving them some type of like visual tactile marker that they can feel, um, and asking them and like, so I have a kid right now. He is a beast. He's a senior. He, um, and this kid is one of those kids who will like work until he dies and then he will wake up and work somewhere. Like he is that kid. Um, and his mobility and his strength at and ranges of motion was, was just so limited. And it was really affecting him negatively. It was affecting his lower back, things like that. And I said, hey, man, I just like giving them targets, right? Like that is the thing, giving them targets, giving them targets. Like how can they monitor this? Because I will tell you, coach, like I will coach my ass off. I'm running around like a crazy person, like oh, I see, oh, we, we got lower today. Like, okay, but I can't see everybody. So giving them a target, something, and for me, it's tactile. If I can't feel it, it didn't happen. Like, right. I, you can tell me all day that I hit depth, but if I can't physically feel it, it didn't happen. So I'll throw, like, I told him finally, I, I threw a milk crate under his butt while he's squatting. And I said, squat to that, put the bar away, squat to that. And he couldn't literally like could not get his butt to that. He would fall down and like sit on the milk crate. I was like, it's not a box squat. It's just a tap and go, like just tap it and go and couldn't do it. And so now, and I mean, this kid is a beef. Like this kid can technically can break parallel on like super heavy squats, but it's not a good squat. If the form is poor, the chest is leaning, it's loading my lower back. It's not a good, not a good place to be. So, you know, he's been working on that literally all week. This was this week, all week, 45 pound bar to the milk crate. Let's do that. And when I tell you on Thursday, that kid came and found me. The coach's office is sacred. Like, you don't go in there. Like, you got to knock. You got to, you know, whatever. And he came to find me and tell me I touched the milk crate with the bar on all my reps today. And I was like, that's awesome, man. Like, okay, so what are we doing next week? I'm going to put a two and a half. I was like, put a two and a half, my dude. Let's go. Like, and and that's that's how I do it. It's the same thing, like, you know, and for some, there's some issues with tactile. I love the milk crate for squats, but like for me, if we're doing, let's say jerks, I like jerks. I like to use jerks. Um, you know, I have to use a visual cue when I'm standing, my eyes are at this level. When I catch up this jerk, my eyes are going to be at this level. And this is where I need you to see where I need you to see. So we have some stuff like strategically placed, um, when it comes to mobility, um, I, have you ever been in a yoga class? Oh, yeah. I've done yoga sessions with football guys. So Perfect. So during yoga classes, um, one of the things that I always really liked about my instructors was as we were, like, breathing through the, the pose, um, our instructors used to, like, talk to us, right? So they're like, oh, and as you're breathing out, like, super into that stretch, blah, blah, blah. So when my kids are doing their mobility session, it's like six minutes and 25 seconds of mobility at the end of every session. And um, I'm talking to them and I'm like, 
as you're doing this, like, <clears throat> I want you to, to sink into the stretch. I want you to make sure that you're breathing. I want you to make sure that you're doing this. And I want you to think about what you did yesterday. I want you to think about what you did last week. Are you in the same position that you were last week? Can you extend that position a little bit farther? Can you do this? And that's when you start getting kids to realize like, I'm making progress. Last week, I couldn't even keep my knee on the ground. And now my knee is on the ground. Um, you know, the same thing, like when we load those positions, um, I'm a big Cossack squat girl. Um, my kids do Cossack squats a couple times a week. Um, and I load them eventually, but it's like, I'm not going to load them until you can sit down and put your hamstring on your knee and have your toe turned up on your straight leg. And you can switch that and like, uh, whatever. And the points of performance indicate to them where they are on that level. Like, am I at the point where I don't have enough strength to put my hamstring on my calf or I don't have the flexion where I don't have this. And then all of a sudden all the pieces come together and they're like, Oh my God, I'm here. And I'm like, you're there. That points of performance. And they can knock it down now. Like, um, They'll tell you, I like things. They always do this. Like, I like things a certain way because I do that. And um, they have, I'll be like, okay, points of performance. Do you have your hamstring on your knee, on your calf? Yes. Um, is your ankle in a comfortable position, but it's fully flexed? Yes. Is your straight leg toe off the ground and your heel digging into the ground? Yes. Is your chest up and you're not resting on your thigh? Yes. Okay, cool. Then that that's a good squat, you know, or that's a good classic squat. Um. So I don't know, maybe it's because like, I'm psychotic about checklists and things like that. So now they're psychotic about checklists. They're like, okay, one, two, three, four. Yes. Good squat. Great. And they just keep working toward those little points of performance. Um, but that's how I progress them and they'll regress themselves now. Um, but that's also like a culture thing. I'm like, Hey, um, and I use myself, uh, especially in a room of girls, of female athletes, I'm usually like the strongest athlete in the room. So I tell them, I'm like, hey, if my max deadlift is 405 for five, um, I'm going to tell you right now, I can't do that today. It's my all-time max, but I can't do it today. And I'm like, so should I be working off a percentage of that today? Or should I be working off a percentage of a heavy that I got today for how I feel today? And they're like, well, yeah, today. And I'm like, okay, well, so am I going to feel sad that I'm not doing the all-time best that I had when I was like my top athlete self? <clears throat> or am I going to work with the body that I have today? Oh, I'm going to work with the body that I have today. And um, that's been really like revolutionary, especially with boys, right? Because they get real butthurt when you tell them like, hey, man, we're not... Like you're, you don't have the ankle flexion. You need to elevate your heels and their teammate next to them doesn't have to do that. They get so butthurt. Like they're like, but why? Like, oh, I'm like, can you just like work with the body you have? And they'll say that to you now. They'll be like, I, coach, I had this yesterday. I only ate hot Cheetos today. I feel like, it. and I'm like, okay, well work with the body you have today. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting that you talk about, like, especially boys that are real defensive about the weight room and how they are in the weight room. Because I had sophomores when I walked into this program, 
And, I mean, just terrible range of motion. I'm just sitting there like, you don't need a barbell on your back. And so I kind of came up with this no barbell system for freshmen. And I've kind of integrated with a little bit of juniors, some seniors, and a lot of sophomores. I mean, I had sophomores come up to me and be like, well, I've been lifting since freshman year, all of barbells. Like, yeah, and your hips are shot. You're not hitting depth. Your ankles are so tight that you can't even get into a normal squat. I mean, like, you're not going back on the barbell till you can do quality movements. So we do, like, goblet squats. And my standard for the weight room, whatever, is you can goblet squat three sets of five with hundreds. I let you go back on the barbell. And uh, be surprised how many freshmen, sophomores, juniors that can't do that. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you could be a good back squatter, but you're not a good technical squatter, so. Yeah, and they, they do say that, like, they'll come and be like, well, but I can, I'm thinking of a specific kid, bless him, like, he, he's an ideal athlete body type, and his mobility just wasn't there, and he's like, I squat, uh, I've been lifting since freshman year, and I was like, and you still suck at it, how does that feel? <laughs> Awkward. And... <laughs> um humbled yeah i'm look if i can if i can flame a kid i will flame him like don't come for me bro like i don't come out there on the football field or on the basketball court and try to tell you what to do (laughs) but this is my space and um and he's like well i squat 350 and i'm like not well so humbled right there on the spot like okay (laughs) wow and um but yeah like and here's what's nuts i don't know if this is the right approach i'm gonna say it you know what whatever i don't know if it's the right approach but i say it like i do it like we're working you know a lift and a kid i'll put everybody in the room on a pvc pipe i don't care like nobody in this room overhead squats better than me so everybody can be on PVC. I don't care, right? And I'll have a kid that's like, no, I want to use the bar. I can use the bar. And I'm going to try to correct you one time. I'm going to be like, you know, everyone in here is doing PVC regardless of their strength level because we want the technique to be perfect. This is why we're doing it. This is why I want you to do it. And if you continue to be like, no, I can do it. With, I'm like, you know what? Go for it, man. Show me. You got it. Show me. Put, put that bar over your head. See how it goes. Go for it, man. And I know it's not going to kill them. I know they're not going to get hurt, whatever. But they're going to learn. Because that's exactly what happened. Like, oh, all of a sudden, this is terrible. Because you don't have the technical foundation to do this yet. And thankfully, like, now... It's been six weeks, and from the beginning to the end, they have practiced, and they have practiced and practiced with PVC, and they've practiced with technique bars, and they've done all these things. And now we're able to do a 45-pound bar, uh, you know, put some tens on there, load it up a little, but we weren't there yet in the beginning. And so now it's like I see the kids being like, oh, you know what? I'm not ready for this yet. I'm going to walk myself back. 
but that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been like, yeah, you got it, man, go for it. Give it a shot. Let me know how it goes. Like, if it's just, if it's just mama Garza telling you like, you're not ready for this, then you're just going to be mad at me because you're in your brain. You're like, I'm ready for this. She doesn't know anything because moms never know anything, I guess. And (laughs) I'm like, yeah. And that is my go-to line. My kids will tell you that when I'm fed up with a conversation, I'll be like, yeah, what do I know? I just work here, but like, whatever, do what you want to (laughs) do. Oh man. High school boys are <laughs> interesting. Oh yeah, interesting to say the least. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is about high school boys. And I mean, I was one at one point, and I kind of get it. <laughs> I kind of understand it a little bit, but I'm like, dude, like, you can't move well, and you gotta feel awful. It has to feel awful. It has to be. But that's their like. That's their like. Their baseline. Like, their baseline is feeling awful to the point that, like, moving well feels terrible. <laughs> like, why am I going to do that? That feels awful. And I'm like, no, but it's because you move so poorly. Like, you're accommodating this terrible movement pattern for your whole life that moving well feels awful. Or, yeah. It's kind of like... All right, hear me out. I'm going to go into a weird place right now. Go. Go for it. So I hate water. I'm going to just say that. I hate it. I hate drinking water. I drink water now. Okay, like, don't blame me. Like, I drink now. But but there's been a good portion of my life where I'm like, I would rather die than drink water. Like, that is how I feel about it. And um, it's a very strong feeling. So... Uh, I got to a point where all I was drinking was coffee and Diet Coke, <laughs> like all the time. And it got to the point where it was like, water is disgusting. Like I would drink it and have a like physical reaction to the water. I was like, huh, huh, uh, 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 oh, oh, and like water is life-saving. <laughs> water is necessary for survival and I had just phased it out of my life so much that I was like nope this is terrible so that's what they do they literally are like operating on these bizarre movement patterns and these like bizarre ideas about what their bodies can do and then they accommodate like for their shortcomings and their mobility or their strength or their speed or whatever and they just do it so much that they're like, this is normal. This is how it should feel. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not normal. And you just got to like rewire their brain. They're, they're, they're insane. I don't know. I it's, love them. It, it's kind of like when you step into a school and kids are not used to having compliments, right? You, they're not used to someone talking to them like a person. You know, right. they're used to someone screaming at them all the time. That is like, hey, good job. They don't know how to take compliments and stuff. It's kind yeah. of the same ideology, you know? Absolutely. Man, I can't, I can't stand high school boys. <laughs> I can't. It's, it's just like, I tell them, hey, no Crocs in the weight room. Simple. One thing, I just ask them one thing, no Crocs in the weight room. Okay, coach. Five minutes later, they roll in with Crocs in the weight room. It's like, I just told you, no Crocs in the, in the weight room. And they're like, okay, sorry, coach. And they go back, and then here comes the next kid with Crocs. I'm like, 
do you want to come tell my kids no Crocs? Because I have that exact same conversation every single day. And I feel like if someone else tells them, then maybe they'll listen. Because at this point, I'm like, what's on your feet? And they will kick their Crocs off really fast and hide them under the dumbbell rack and be like, nothing. I was lifting barefoot. And I'm like, no, you are gaslighting me. I'm literally looking at your Crocs. Like, one thing, one thing about doing is taking pictures. Just take a picture real quick. It's like, oh, I'm going to post on social media, tag the athlete, be like, strength condition Twitter, roast this kid for having cro- Crocs. And- oh, my God. Please do it. Let's start a series. Let's do it. We'll like. A whole, like, thread. Yeah. We'll start. And, like, you, you can keep it on the. Well, we have an Instagram for powerlifting, and I use my powerlifting Instagram for everything. But, um, yes, let's start a series. I'll be, like, spotted. Boom. Like, name that athlete. Like, oh, my God. Yes, let's do it. Absolutely. So you said that you work with how many teams again? 17? Uh, okay, let's go through them. Here we go. Football, volleyball, cross country, girls soccer, boys soccer, girls basketball, boys basketball, girls track, boys track, swim water polo, tennis, boys and girls tennis. Golf. That's it. Cheer and dance. 17. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So do you have one weight weight room? Yes. So how do you manage 17 teams in one weight room? Very carefully. Uh so at my school we are lucky. So athletics, a girls' athletics is first period um for the most part and then boys athletics varsity period is fourth period and then boys athletics sub varsity period is fifth period so and then we're on a block schedule so every class is 90 minutes um (laughs) wild um and actually this is my first time in a block schedule facility so uh, it's taken some adjusting and getting used to. And actually this year we have it new where it's a block schedule on Monday through Thursday. And then on Fridays, we'll see all 10 periods. I don't know how that's going to work, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, so uh, the way I usually do it uh, is every group so there's some groups that you can pair right like there's some groups that I can basically have like the same programming so I try to put those programs together um my weight room I'm very lucky my weight room is the largest weight room in the district I can fit 88 kids in there at one time I will tell you that 88 kids in there at one time is a disaster like (laughs) it's a lot but if it's like running on all cylinders it's possible and it can happen um but uh what I try to do is basically schedule out the workout between 30 and 36 minutes if I can do something within 30 36 minutes it allows kids to get in um we use rack coach so the coaches can be in there they can start the workout the kids can work on the timers And then that allows the next group at 38 minutes to start at the 40. 
And then the 40 will go to the 70, 75 minute, 76 minute, and then they're able to get out and do. So scheduling, making sure that, hey, you're going to do your sports specific skills. You're going to do your whatever this is um, at this time. And you're going to focus on this. Um, it has been tough. Everyone is still learning. Um, my school didn't really use any technology before we got there and like in the weight room for scheduling. So um, getting everyone to like learn it and be like, okay, this is how this works. Uh, it's a, been a little bit tough because I came in on a weird part of the year. So I couldn't just sit everybody down and be like, this is how this is going to go. Like, I kind of have to be like, hey, coach, can I talk to you? Can I show you this thing? And there, you know, God, we don't give our sports specific coaches enough flowers. Like they, those sweet angels, I don't know. I mean, like I'm a powerlifting coach and I'm a teacher, but I have the benefit of having like a coordinator schedule. Like I have, but I cannot imagine trying to be like the head softball coach and like teaching all my classes and then having multiple softball teams and then coordinating this and doing this. And like, I might have one other coach that helps me. And I would just, oh my God, give coaches a raise. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I just try to do my best to take everything off the plate, but we use rack coach and and I'm, I send out like a weekly email and I'm like, Hey, just a reminder, you know, these people are in on this day at this time like and I do my best and I try to check in with coaches and I just want to make their lives easier right because um if I can take one thing off their plate then like give me that like let me do that so you can like breathe um and that's how we do it I mean it's not perfect there have been days that uh I I make mistakes I switch up last year we had a day b day so it was like Oh God. Oh, that was such a nightmare. I was so confused. Like, and that was totally on me. My poor sports coaches, they know how it goes. And I came in in March. So I'm like, is today A day? Is today B day? Like, what is it? I don't know. Like, and they're like, Barza, get it together. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I don't know how this works. Um, but it's not perfect, but it's, it's working so far. And I'm sure there'll be adjustments as this year goes on because we plan on having um last year we didn't get to have golf as much toward the end of the year in the weight room um you know some of our teams are really large we work in a predominantly hispanic area so like our girls soccer team like across all the teams that is easily over 100 girls so we like working with girls soccer is like working with two teams because i can't have them both like i can't have everybody in the weight room so i gotta like split them up and be like okay a group is going to go on these this day and then we're going to or on this time and then we're going to flip them and then now you guys are going to be on the field and you guys are going to be in the way um but yeah it's logistically it is really developing my planning skills <laughs> gotta be organized absolutely gotta be organized and you already kind of touched on this subject here but um you're talking about rat coach, right? Integrating technology. You're starting to integrate technology. What do you want technology-wise to be integrated into your strength and conditioning program? 
I really want, okay. If you had asked me this like two years ago, I would have been like, nothing. We're old school. We don't need that shit. Um, however, I have grown as a person and as a coach. Um, and one of the things that I really, really would like to get are some jump mats. Um, just because I feel one, like they're just very valuable tools to monitor like progress um, in real time, like very quickly. Like that is such a good tool. Um, also, because I'm sick of people telling me they have like 52 inch verticals when you don't. Um, <laughs> Um, because I do have kids, they'll be like, coach, I have like a 52 inch vertical. I'm like, you are 4'11. So no, you don't. Um, so I would really love those. That would be awesome. I would really love lasers. Like if I could get some really accurate timing on, on speed, I would just like die. I would, God. I mean, I know people can't see me right now, but like just thinking about it makes me warm and fuzzy. Um, but just because, you know, human error is so, especially in, in the realm of speed, can be so detrimental, right? Like, and it, it's crazy because I am a power athlete, right? Like I do Olympic weightlifting. The number of times I have to sprint is zero. Like I, if I'm a power athlete I'm built for power not for speed so as a as an individual athlete myself like I don't care how fast I am but I think working with high school athletes and seeing how much they're impacted by their not just in the game of play but like mentally like I have a kid who um you know started his 40 um, I also don't believe in 40 times. Nobody roasts me for that, but whatever. Like, so we test the 40. PR says 40, does a great job. He feels so good about it, right? And I'm like, hell yeah, man, congratulations. Goes to a camp two weeks later and posts, quote unquote, a terrible 40. It's literally two tenths of a second slower than the one he got at school. And he is devastated for like two weeks. All he can talk about is how he's so much slower and like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you don't know what went wrong at that 40. You don't know what went wrong at that camp. And I asked him, I said, did you have a person timing your 40? And he's like, yeah. And I said, so you don't know. Maybe your takeoff was bad. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep. Maybe the person who's timing you didn't find you well. Like, never know but I mean when I tell you he was affected by that and that cycle in his brain was just like really messing him up and I'm like man if we could just have consistency in the timing then that could be one less thing that we have to worry about I can focus as a coach I can focus on the mechanics better because I don't have to focus on if that was right and the athletes can be reassured that the timing is right so let me focus on the technique let me focus on on the, you know, on the other variables that I can control, like timing should not be something that they have to control or that they have to be concerned is being controlled. Um, but I think those two things, honestly, like 
if I could have those, I'm not super huge. I'm still learning about all the different technology. I'll be honest. I'm not the, I'm not the tech queen. Um, cause I am very much, I wish I had it here, but like, I'm very much like a pen and paper girl. Like I have my workout on a piece of paper. I record all my results. When I want to go see what my last PR was on XYZ, I have a table in the front of my notebook where I like list my PRs and what the data is and like whatever, like I don't whatever. But I'm I'm growing. I'm growing as a human. So that's where we are. That's awesome. So like what we're doing right now, I'm kind of looking at strength to body weight ratios right now because I want you know, our smaller guys to be really strong and have a bigger strength ratio. And I want our bigger guys to get down in weight. And so they have a little bit bigger ratio. So got all the calculations and stuff like that. Went to my head coach, like, coach, here's your top 10 of like strength, the, you know, body weight guys. And he's, he looks at me like, cool. And, you know, it doesn't, it's a really hard pill to swallow because we're the ones that really care about that stuff. And you're like, look at all the data, you know, this is so cool, and, you know, speeds are going up, and they just look at you like, cool. Yeah. Move along. Oh, I have that story. I have a, a, a lineman who is, like, I would say, like, a solid, like, 285. Like, solid 285. Um, but when I first got there, this is not, like, a, this is, like, a mobility thing, but, so like, not a, you know, not a ratio thing, but, dude, when I got there, his mobility was terrible his hips were like garbage like whatever and in my brain for some reason I dialed it on him and I was like that kid is gonna be my project and I have he's probably I would say like 62 like 280 and he does lateral lunges this is a plate as a counter rate but now his lateral lunges his ankle is completely in full flexion, heel is on the ground, hamstring is on the calf, hip crease below the knee, he presses up, goes to the other side, and I mean, it is like, it's like watching a symphony, like, and so I like take a video, and I'm like, look at this, and, and they're like, okay, and I'm like, okay, okay, like, <laughs> what? And he, they're like, so what does that mean? And I'm like, you know what? Just never mind. Forget it. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. This is a 280-pound kid. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, you know what? Never mind. Forget it. I'm leaving. Goodbye. And I just go off. But because they don't, you know, they don't see that. And that's, yeah. I don't know, wild. It's like, you go do that. Exactly. Can you do that? Because the only person in this room who can do that is me. Like, uh, kind of moving along here. So what advice would you give a young student or an athlete that wants to go into strength and conditioning sport performance? Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, the first advice that I would give anybody is... Um, Find a coach that you respect in that area and creep on them. If you can creep on them in person, creep on them in person, be their shadow. Um, that's what I did. I, I shadowed Matt Bruce and 
uh, I creeped on him when he didn't even know I was creeping. Like <laughs> I was, I was in the facility and he was in the facility training people. And I was like, is he doing that? What are bucket eight? Like, why are we doing this? And, um, you know, that would be like, like creep as much as you can, um, and learn things as much as you can, because you don't know what you don't know. Uh, I creep on people. I know I mentioned this on Twitter, but like, I listen into conversations. I will read conversations that have nothing to do with me. And I will learn so much because you don't know what you don't know. Um, and so my first thing is like, find people that you respect and you value, like, don't, don't go with a coach or like, don't creep on a coach just because like, they say that they're the best strength coach. If you don't respect them as a person or like, you don't respect, you know, their coaching style or whatever, um, maybe that's not the person for you to initially creep on, if that makes sense. I, I feel like I've finally gotten to a point where I can stop being petty, like just because I don't like a person or like I don't prefer a person's coaching style or whatever. I can now look past that and find the value and find the nuggets of what they're coaching. But it has taken me a long time to do that. Like, I'll just be honest. Um, and then the second piece of advice that I think I would give them is just like, know who you are as a human and be that. Um, you know, I really struggled in the beginning of strength coaching because I'm this little five foot one bubbly girl. And I thought that in order to be as a strength coach, I had to be like this tough, like, like, no, lift bar again. I don't know. I wasn't being myself. Like, that is not who I am as a person. Like, don't get me wrong. I am tough and, and I am, um, I am strong and I'm all those things. But I'm also the person who will meet you at the weight room at 5 a.m. and be like, good morning. How are you doing? Like, ah, so excited to see you. Like, I am that person. And, um, you know, no matter who you're working with, like athletes know that they know if you're being genuine, if you're being yourself and, and if you're faking it, they know that you're faking it. So you can't hide from them. Um, it took me so long to figure that out. And I wish I had figured it out earlier. I wish that, you know, I wish that someone had told me, just be yourself, dude. Like, it's fine. Um, you can, you can like rhinestones and be a good strength coach. I wish someone had said that to me. Um, because that's what it is now. Like my kids, my kids will, I'm a big smiler. Like I, I love smiling. I love hugging. Like I'm a hugger, whatever. And in the weight room, honestly, I use those things about my personality as like reward systems. My kids will fight to get a smile. They will ask me at the end of every session did we earn a smile today? And sometimes the answer is no. I'm like, no, this is, this is horrible. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll earn one tomorrow. Like, and that's literally a piece of my personality that they're fighting to earn, but it's because like, that's, that's who I am as a person. There's, I mean, they're not going to go up to my head football coach and be like, did we earn a smile today? No, you literally never did. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I am who I am. I will, 
I will walk up to a, a six foot five, 300 pound lineman and be like, are you so excited to lift today? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, okay. Or, you know, um, I'm, I'm the, I'm the coach that if they tell me coach, learn this dance and be in my TikTok, I will 100% do it every single time. Like it's a party. And, and I want, that's who I am. If I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to have fun. So that would be my advice. Like find people you respect, follow them. Also, like they tell you never meet your heroes. So just be prepared. If you're disappointed, you're disappointed. That's happened to me a couple times. Um, <laughs> but, and then two, just like figure out who you are as a coach and as a person and be that authentically 100% of the time. Like this is what it is. You get what you get. Um, that's my advice for literally everybody trying to go into this field. Um, yeah, make friends like Coach Raspberry. And <laughs> um, I was kind of thinking about this question as you were kind of talking. Do you think strength coaches kind of get the stigma? Like you never even met this person, don't know what they look like, whatever. And you, the only thing you know is a strength coach. Do you think there's kind of a stigma with strength coaches? that we're kind of the hard ass in the, in the room? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I definitely think, and you know what? I probably, if you had asked me this two years ago, I would have said no. I would have been like, I think that strength coaches don't even have like a, a profile. Like I would have said that, like, um, because so often like we're in, in the background, like, you know, the, the sport coaches is in front and then the strength coaches is in the background. So I would have been like a strength coach could be anyone. Right. But two years ago, I was giving this speech, um, to, a, an athletic, like a district athletic. And I was talking about developing explosiveness in, in your athletes. And, um, it wasn't my district. It was a different district. So literally no one in that room knew who I was. And I was just wearing like a, a black polo and like some pants or maybe I was wearing leggings. I don't know, probably leggings. Um, and my name is Aislinn, right? Like Aislinn Garza. And, uh, but nobody knows me. And I was, uh, I was going in the middle of the program. So I was following up this like very exuberant, like, keynote speaker who like used to play in the NFL and I was like shit how do I follow that up and so I was there was a break before my thing and I was kind of getting something there all these other coaches so I'm in the room and I I kind of asked some people I was like hey like what do you think about this next one like this strength coach and they're like well, I don't know like they're like I'm like have you ever have you ever heard of them and like the speaker and they're like, nah, man, I'm probably going to skip it. Like, you know, whatever, like, uh, some, some dude just told me what to do, like, you know, yelling at me or whatever. And I was like, yeah, same. <laughs> I just like, <laughs> and, and I just, and I mean like that kind of a, a variation of that conversation happened like a few times. And I was like, dang, like, okay. So then when it was everyone came back from the little break and I, I walked up like and I was like hello I am Aislinn Garza and I'm here to do your 
talk on explosiveness and I was like I know that I'm not probably what you thought of when you saw this title um so I apologize for that uh and I just saw so many people's faces be like what like I saw it just wash over their face like this is not what I was expecting so yeah because I, I told them straight up I was like you don't I mean I probably maybe shouldn't have said this, but I was like, you don't have to be an asshole to your kids to get them to do what you need them to do. Facts. You, you do not have to yell in their face. You do not have to call them the P word. Like you literally, they can do exactly what you want them to do. And you do not have to be mean. Like I'm never mean to my kids. I don't even raise my voice at them because I sound really stupid when I yell. So I don't know. Um, and I, that's when I realized that there is kind of this idea that like strength coaches are hard asses and um, Monty Sparkman said it best before at the NHS SCA conference. He was like, strength coaches look like what they are. He was like, I am a prototypical strength coach. He was like, I'm big, I'm bald and I'm bearded. It was like, that's what people think that we look like. And, and honestly, before two years ago, that had never occurred to me. I was like, only thing that strength coaches were to me were dudes. I was like, yeah, strength coaches are dudes. And then that's it. But yeah, I would definitely say that there is like this like balls, beard, beard, uh, big, yelling, really red face, I think, whole thing. But I'm like none of those things. I'm, I'm in the corner being like, you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, like, and I kind of talked to Brandon a little bit about this as well. I mean, when I I see a strength coach, right? It's Monty. It's someone like Monty. It's big guy that benches four hundred pounds, whatever. And me and Brandon, we're not huge guys either. I mean, we're tall. I I should say tall, five ten. I mean, okay. like. But I mean, like, we're, we're skinny guys. We're decently strong. I mean, I ain't going to throw up a 400-pound bench. That, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. But at the same time, like, Brandon's more of a speed guy, right? He looks at tendon health. He looks at, you know, speed. He, he's a fit guy. And, you know, me, I'm, I'm a tall-ish. I'm, you know, I got long arms, long legs. I mean, I, I don't look like a strength coach. And I'm also an offensive line coach. And offensive line coaches are these that you know, almost the exact same way. It's the big, bearded, huge guy. And I'm just like, no, I hate to disappoint, but, you know, yeah. I'm, me. I'm me. And I think it'd be the same way for female strength coaches. Like, well, she's not a strength coach. It's like, all right, go talk to her. What's crazy, it's crazy that you say that. So we went to a mixer at coaching school after, um, or on Monday of coaching school. My husband went with me to coaching school this year, and we went to this mixer. And, um, so my husband's a big guy. He's six foot. He's like 300 pounds. Um, he's got a beard, glasses. And, uh, so we go and everyone assumes at this mixer that my husband is a coach. Like literally they're passing him and they're like, so excuse me, coach. Oh, pardon me, coach. Excuse me, coach. And my husband's like, I'm a computer programmer. Like what? And then people would come up to him and they'd be like, oh, hey, I'm coach so-and-so. And they'd be like, what's your name? And he's like, Ramon. 
And they're like, oh, what do you coach? And then he has to point to me and be like, no, my wife's the coach. Like my wife is right here. Like she's the one in this, in this organization that's throwing the social, like, like she's the reason why we're here. And you can just see them like visibly be thrown off. Like they're like, but she's wearing a flower shirt. Like, I don't know. I'm like, uh, yeah, like, hello. Hi. Yeah. It's me. Like I'm in this. And they're like, uh, okay. Now I can say I do. I think once I tell people, um, my body type is like, I look like I was born to help people move. So I think that nobody, once they see that I have like linebacker shoulders and I have like tree trunks for legs, like nobody questions it, but it's just the initial, like, wearing a shirt with flowers on it (laughs) uh yeah but once you get over that so yeah but you know it it's just like missy dude missy mitchell Macbeth is like a supermodel and i can only imagine what people what typical people say when they're like when missy's like yeah i'm a strength coach like i've told her so many times i'm like literally you are a supermodel you are 17 feet tall you have this beautiful long blonde hair. You are gorgeous. And then you're just going to be ordering people around in the, in the weight room. Like what? And she's like, I'm only, however, I think she's like five, nine. And she's like, I'm not even that tall. I'm like, you are literally eight inches taller than me. Like <laughs> that's how tall you are. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see. And like coach, I don't know how, I mean, five ten is pretty tall to me. Um, so you would tower over me. And I would look at you and be like, you're definitely a strength coach. You're ginormous. So yeah, but there's a, there's a stigma. There's like an idea that strength coaches should look and act a certain way. And I just don't know that we fit into that. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. And also like strength coaches, you know, the ideal quote unquote has that deep voice that, you know, really commands the room, whatever. I was like, Hey man, what's up? You know, just like, (laughs) Like I, I, I'm not that guy. I'm not going to pretend to be that way. So, right. and I mean, like, same for you. I mean, like, like, hey, sweetie, you know, what's yeah. up? I'm like, hey, baby, how are you doing? <laughs> That's awesome. And you, it's funny you talk about Missy because I did not realize how tall she was until NatCon, and I saw in person. I was in her breakout group for plyometrics. Yeah. And I didn't really like. She's like eye to eye with me. I'm like, I just didn't realize how tall she was. She is so tall. And she's like, we actually had this conversation like a year ago on Twitter where she was, she actually put on Al Gore's internet the words, I'm not even that tall. And I was like, ma'am, we're an actual supermodel. Like, stop it. Um, and yeah, she's quite tall. Um, and so I hope she hears this. I hope she hears this episode. And she's like, I cannot believe that this is a point of conversation, but it is because she's tall. I, I really admire Missy what she's done in the strength and conditioning community. I mean, like, I I think some people are kind of afraid to speak up on something, and she's really not. I think she's really done a great job pushing for female strength coaches. Like, normalize this. This this should not be a hot topic this should not be like a controversial topic this should be the standard 
you know, look at the. She is, um, she is such a good role model, I think, for strength coaches in general, um, but especially female strength coaches. Cause I know for me, like, my husband makes jokes of it because it's 100% the truth, but like, I could never run for office because I'm a mouthy woman with opinions. I have things to say. Um, and I think I was always kind of scared that if I said them, that I would be like shut out of progressing in my career. And Missy has always, and she probably gets sick of me always referencing her, but she has really given me the strength to say, no, I'm going to say what I have to say, because this is important. Um, and it's, it's through modeling. Like she, she does the thing and I'm like, okay, I can do the thing. And then she has put a lot of, um, responsibility into the hands of women like me to say, Hey, I did this. So you can do this. So now you need to do this. So someone else can do this. And, um, man, she's just like, when you talk about like idols, like people I will talk about for the rest of my career, uh, it's her. Um, and just because she, and because of something as dumb as Twitter, right. But like, because she is so open about those things and, and because she is, I am like, I do not have a fear. And she said something one time just like casually, but it was like, if, if anybody, some I'm paraphrasing here, so I'm not a direct quote, but it was like, if somebody has a problem with what I have to say and it affects my job or something like that, it was like, then why do I want to work for those people? Like, why do I want to be around those people if what I have to say is going to be a problem? And I was like, wow, yeah, that's like, that's so valid. Like, if I were to say something that is inclusive, that is, you know, it should be the standard, it's the norm, and you have an issue with that, then why do I want to work for those people? Then why do I want to be a part of this environment? I don't. So like, I don't know. So yeah, that uh, an actual angel, Missy Mitchell Macbeth. Uh, I mean, you, it's got to break the mold at some point. We got to break the mold, yeah. you know, normalize a lot of things that haven't been normalized. I just, you know, as someone that's loved strength and conditioning, go into this field and loved working with athletes. I mean, I just, you know, eventually something's got to give you. Yeah. I mean, people have got to realize like. I think there's someone there's I can't remember her name. She's a strength conditioning coach at the U Miami. Yes, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember her name right now, but I know exactly who you're talking about. I mean, like girl is stronger than probably ninety percent of our football boys right now. Mm-hmm. And she could probably outlift them and everything like that. I mean, that should not be like a rare occurrence. Right. That, that should be the standard. So you know, also something that we really focus on, I think, um, in females in the industry is like, oh, this is great for little girls. Like, it's great for little girls to see other women doing. And it is. Um, but also, it's great for little boys to be coached by strong women. Um, because too often, you know, and we see it. We see the effects of misogyny in men when they grow up. 
like we see it we see what happens when men are not taught that women should be valued or that 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 people should be valued right or that some gender of people has a different value than another gender of people and we see how that like affects we see that men who can't be directed by a woman and we and that's awful but it's the reality like i have coached men who will not be coached by me i will give them a cue and they're like but as soon as somebody that has a penis gives them a cue, it's on and popping. And I'm like, what the what? So having women in those roles in front of groups of boys, and it's like, no, this woman is not a bitch because she's strong. This woman is not a bitch because she has expectations. This woman is not a bitch because she holds this standard. like. This is the standard and you deal with it. This woman does not owe you anything. And like those ideas and like that experience is going to trickle into their lives. Like I promise, and I I don't want to make like a a, a super broad statement, but I'm going to say the majority of these boys in my weight room are going to leave my weight room and become adults. And the majority of them are not going to have problems taking direction from their female supervisors because they've been taking direction from a female who has a standard, who has expectations and who praises them appropriately and provides them with appropriate feedback um, when adjustments are necessary. And it has never been a problem for them. So if they go to college and they have a female strength coach or they have a female, let's say position coach, they go play football and they have a female position coach. And it's like, it doesn't matter. I've been doing this already. Strong women do not intimidate me and I do not see them as less than, and they don't even know that, but that's an adjustment that's happening in their brain already. Um, and that's important too. We leave boys out. It's awkward, right? Cause we leave boys out of the conversation when we talk about female strength coaches and we leave women out of the conversation when we talk about strength coaches in general. So it's like, no, like this is good for girls to see. And it's good for boys to see it's good for a, a I mean I tell kids all the time I'm like you're not meeting my standard I don't like that that's not the certain way I like things and they're like okay coach I'll fix it and it's just coach so hopefully that transition into their lives yeah absolutely and that's why I wanted you and Alexandria and Missy to come on here it's just because like y'all need that voice you know you and missy and aunt i mean i think y'all have really set a standard right now for not just female strength coaches female you know students that want to be strength coaches but just normal strength coaches in general like me like i look at missy and i'm like that's a standard to me that's awesome and going along with Missy, uh, what are your top five coaches that influenced you in strength conditioning? Um, okay. Oh, all right. So Missy is in my top five, 100%. Yep. Um, Matt Bruce, uh, the Olympic weightlifter. He runs Bruce Barbell. He is definitely my top five. Um, 
Don Mitchell, who's out here uh, at Sky Lakes in Houston, um, he used to be in Corpus. He now is first just like an amazing friend. Um, and he, he's like so close to me, uh, but he's just like anything you need, coach. I got you. Like when I am feeling like I don't know. I have a lot of imposter syndrome sometimes I write up a program and I mean I don't know if you ever feel this way but I write something up and it's it's like in my brain I'm like this this is too simple it'll never work and then I throw like a bunch of crap in there because I'm like yeah it was too simple and then he's always has the perfect timing like he'll tweet something or he'll post something or he'll reply to me and it's like it's simple stupid and I'm like okay like pull it all out um man my fourth one is not a specific strength coach but his name is johnny Shopta. um he gave me the bet he gave me my first shot into coaching in, in a coaching practicum class i actually worked on his football staff for two years um at university high and he was the person that made me one, know that this is what I wanted to go into, but two, he made it work for me. I came from a zero sport background, like a zero sport and a lifting for fun with friends background. And the, the hill, like the barrier seems so high. Like, how can I go from knowing zero things to like actually being a coach and being the expert in the room? Um, and he put in a lot of work and effort that he did not have to, um, we, cause like I said, I was in football and like, it's different to coach football than to watch football. <laughs> like, right. um, so he would actually, after our meetings, we would, we would break our meeting and I would tell him like, I don't understand what this play should look like. Like, I don't understand this on the paper. And he would walk me out to the practice field and physically walk me through every position and be like, this is what the linemen are doing. This is what this receiver is doing. This is what this means. And it was just like, so helpful. And that influenced me as a coach, because I have kids like that. I have kids that physically do not understand what their body should feel like. And in those moments, like when I'm teaching them and I'm walking them through it, I always think about him and like how much that helped me as a coach and it continues to help me. And he probably has no idea that that even still impacts me to this day. Um, and then I guess my last one, also not a strength coach, but uh, also just like really impactful in coaching and is incredibly supportive of the route I took is uh, Christine Crest. She is um, a, a prof well, she was uh, teaching at LSU. She was my a dance instructor. Um, and that lady is the strongest human being I maybe have ever met, just like physically and mentally, um, a phenomenal dancer, but more so she is incredibly passionate about what she does. And that passion comes out in like a very loving way to her students. And I just remember walking out of her class and being like, I hope that one day I can make every kid that I teach or that I coach feel the way I feel when I leave her, her studio. And, um, you know, we, we talk all the time and uh, she is just so amazing 
at making people feel seen and feel loved. And like, when you talk about hype people, like she is the best hype person. Like she, I don't know if she has any idea what my job in strength and conditioning actually entails. And she will sit there and be like, great job. Like, like, I mean, she will send you a message and she would, and it's always right on time. It's always right on time. And as a coach, that is where I need the most support. And she is just like, when I see her little name pop up on my notifications on my phone, I'm just like, I know that this is about to be so good. And so I think, you know, a lot of what you can learn how to program, you can learn how the science works. Like science is science. And like, yes, it changes and yes, it adjusts, but like you, anyone can learn how to program, but can you learn how to coach? And do you have the people around you who influence you to be a better, more open-minded coach? Do you have those people who check you and who say like, maybe that's not a great idea, or maybe you could be better if you did this. And those are the five people that I feel like did that for me and continue to do that for me today. That's awesome. And that's absolutely awesome. Well, Aislinn, thank you for being on here, being, you know, very open and um, really just set in standard for strength coaches everywhere for students that want to go here um giving your takes you know development athletes and challenges and what you've seen in the field of strength conditioning it's completely remarkable of what you're doing right now well thank you so much for having me i was so nervous to do this and it has been amazing you're you're phenomenal and i really appreciate everything you put out um you know i've been following you for a while not in a weird way and um it's, it's, it's always nice and it's refreshing to see people who are doing the thing and also like so excited and open to other things and other people. And I, I was so nervous to do this, but I was so excited that I would even like be considered for this. I was like, what me? Um, and I'm just, I really appreciate you. And I really love the stuff and you ask such good questions. Like you ask the questions that I think a lot of people want to ask and they're scared. So I, I really appreciate you for doing those things. Cause there's times that you ask questions that I want to ask, but I'm scared. <laughs> um, and that's just, thank you. Thanks coach. Absolutely. And you know, some of these questions, you know, I kind of think about, and we always talk about get comfortable being uncomfortable. I mean, like, some of these questions, I'm like, ah, I don't want to ask that question. But at the same time, like, someone's got to ask a question. Someone's got to push that narrative. Right. And i rather people, i rather ask that question and people get something out of it in another perspective than to ignore it and keep going the same down road that we're going right now. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's, it needs to be said. It needs to be out there. So. Well, that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats with your host here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry on that. Aislinn, I appreciate you so much. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. Thank you so much, Coach. Thank you.